RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Track Files, Episode 20, Memo from Gary Nardino to Gene Roddenberry, September 15th, 1977. This episode of The Trek Files is sponsored by the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions, large format ships officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and get the USS Voyager for 20% off and with free shipping. For details, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome, Trek background folks, and yes, Trekophiles spelled with an F. Glad you're here again. We've got a fun little, a fun little ditty this week. <laughs> As those of you who have already spotted the document at, uh, at our Facebook site, at The Trek Files, you know already that we've got a fun little standalone here. You know, celebrity in Star Trek is an interesting mix, and sometimes it goes beyond the fan letter to Gene or one of the actors. Sometimes it turns into, oh, please, Gene, can I be on the show? And that's what we have this week. Take a listen. September 15th, 1977. To Gene Roddenberry from Gary Nardino. I just learned from Dick Fox of the William Morris Agency, who represents Barry Manilow, that Barry is a bona fide Trekkie. It's possible he would love to do a cameo in the two-hour film. Can this be arranged? Thank you. Star Trek fans, you asked for bigger ships, and now you've got bigger ships. The official Star Trek Starships XL editions from Eagle Moss are twice as large as the standard models. Officially authorized by CBS Studios, each iconic ship is die-cast and hand-painted. And each comes with an in-depth magazine featuring production artwork, highlights of the ship's history, design, and a breakdown of the technology on board, along with crew and weapons. Start your collection today with the 10-inch XL Edition USS Voyager for only $59.95 with free shipping. New models ship every other month for the same low price with free shipping, and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details and to order, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Go big with the official Star Trek Starships XL editions at st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Yes, <laughs> you heard it right, friends. Barry Manilow. Could it be magic, Mandy? I mean, John Champion, get in here with me. John, you hey. all know from Mission Log, friend of the show, been one of my regular guests. I, uh, I write the podcasts <laughs> that make the whole world listen. That make the whole world trek. <laughs> <laughs> Songs of love, yeah, treks of love and special things. Yes. Um, this is amazing. Now, I think a lot of our audience may think of Barry Manilow as that guy who's has, like on Vegas on the strip and he's sung forever and mm-hmm. he's kind of like, I don't know, this generation's Sinatra or whatever. The guy, the, the Wayne Newton type that, that just does not go away. But there was a time when uh, 
Barry Manilow was a hot thing. He had just hit it rich with uh, Mandy. Yep. And then, yes, I write the songs and uh, Could It Be Magic and uh, 74, 75, 76, 77. This is September 77. He's still white hot, obviously looking around for things to do. Yeah. So it, it, it's post-Mandy, post-I Write the Songs, about a year before the Greatest Hits album came out. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. So when we started looking at this document, I, I almost thought, like, well, how much can we really say about this? But then you said, here's the thing, though. This document shows the early genesis of all those celebrities who wanted to be a part of Trek. Right. And that's what's cool about this. That we, because know, of, that we know of. That, that we know of, yeah, because right. there may be many, many more. And, and here's one that never came to fruition. I, I kind of, look, it, now in my head canon, which I hate mm-hmm. that phrase, I'm going to put Barry Manilow in the rec deck scene of the motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll superimpose Tassel. him He's somewhere. that guy with the Arcturian helmet yes, on. Yes, there you right, go. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. We'd never know it. Um, uh, right, the way uh, <laughs> the way Simon Pegg wound up in, uh, in in the Star Wars movie recently, under, right. under Stormtrooper masks. No, so this is seventy seven. So in um, in the uh, Barry Manilow timeline, he's yeah. been a breakout star, very hot for about uh, three years. Mm-hmm. But in in Trek times, of course, this is in the middle of of the seventies, trying to find Star Trek, trying to find its way back. So, uh, Gary Nardino, they're working on Planet of the Titans? Uh, yeah, into well, I mean, the, this is going to be Trek. right in that, that sort of no man's land between Planet of the Titans and Star Trek the Motion Picture. It's not actually Star Trek the Motion Picture yet. And remember, we read that document already from Gene mm-hmm. to Gary Nardino saying, hey, how about we get some celebrities? How about Sir Lawrence Olivier? <laughs> right. Well, and, and here's Gary Nardino writing back a little while later saying, how about Barry Manilow? Well, there's, there's stunt casting. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, there's uh, Mick Fleetwood wearing an Antedian head. Fish yes. mask, right? Yes. It, yes. On Next Generation. And that's yeah. – uh, exactly. That's what uh, has kind of brought all this up. My, been mindful of this that uh, – you know, the original series, Star Trek was such a new commodity that um, the celebritiness appeal – uh, wasn't really out there. I mean, Marvin mm-hmm. Belli, I, I, I'm trying to think. He was a lawyer. They thought it would be good, a fun stunt casting. But and that's in And the Children Shall and the Lead. Children and Shall it's Melvin Belli right. wearing a shower curtain. Who's a huge, and being a, a well-known horrible. attorney yeah. at the yep. time, defense yep. attorney, torts attorney. Um, not exactly a, a sexy grab for the kid audience, but no. or whatever, but a, a name. Yeah. It was third season also, and they were doing what they could to promote, I think. But not really that many. A lot of well that we think of celebrities now. Think like, think all, like it's the equivalent today of having, say, like an Alan Dershowitz or a Gloria Allred as your stunt casting exactly. guest star on a TV show. Exactly. Really? People are going to say, wow, <laughs> look at that. They all got a got, lawyer. All you got to do is wear this gown and stand on that blue screen <laughs> and kind of say this bad poetry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So the, the the original series really didn't get a big chance to have that kind of celebrity hood in it. But then, mm-hmm. by, as the as the movies are evolving and and moving along, you start to see that pickup and the impact of Star Trek in the culture, and little fanboys and little fangirls grow up to be whatever it is they grow up to be. Right. Uh, and some of them turn into be uh, entertainers and performers. Well, let's talk about who some of those people are because there, there's an impressive list of Star Trek fans who asked to be in Star Trek. Um, I mean, probably the best known is Whoopi Goldberg. 
Right. Because, of course, I mean, she became a starring character on Next right. Generation and, and, just, and so identified with that show. Well, yeah. A, she just wanted a cameo. Yeah. And B, no one believed her. Yeah. Or no one believed the channels, yeah. right, the messages they were getting. She had to march down and get in Jean's face and to say, no, I would like to be on this show. No right. one could believe it at the time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, you know, and, and one of the notorious moments was at the height of Eddie Murphy's Yes. Celebrityhood, Star Trek Four. Yes. Eddie Murphy almost became the pivotal time travel character. Which here's the thing: wouldn't be terrible. I, I don't think. I mean, I, here's the thing: in Star Trek Four, we ended up with a good chemistry between uh, uh, Captain Kirk and Doctor Taylor, right? Which is great. Okay, Eddie Murphy is not. A horrible actor, but in 1986, that would have been post-Beverly Hills Cop. It, it would have, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been quite the right fit. Yeah. But I, I don't think it would we have can, been terrible. And I, it we, just would have been a very different movie. I think we yeah. can get into that down the line um, yeah. if we dig out the appropriate documents. But, well, uh, oh, yeah. obviously, it wouldn't have been him playing D- Jerry and Taylor. It would have been a whole different dynamic, yeah. a whole yeah, different yeah, yeah, background, yeah. a whole exactly. different setting. And it only lasted so far into the rumor mill, but long enough for even paper and stamps fandom in the 80s to catch wind of it and go, well, I don't think this is... Almost like, I'm flattered, but no thank you. (laughs) Right, right, right. Similarly, you know, go a little later in in Voyager, you had Sarah Silverman, so well-known comedian at the time, but but her star was just starting to ascend, but nowhere near the level of Eddie Murphy. She was a stand-up, yeah. Well, uh, before that, I'm thinking Christian Slater. Yes, well, and, and that was very different, though, because his mother was the casting director. Right. So, of course, he could say, Mom, I want to yes. be on Star Trek. But it came from, I mean, we yeah. really, we talk about celebrities in Trek. There's a difference between, uh, there might be a difference between the uh, the stunt casting. Mm-hmm. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we got so-and-so for the ratings? Right, right. Versus, no, they're closet Trekkies, <laughs> and they would do anything. I will give up my fee. Yeah, I will, yeah. you know, do anything to be on the show. I would I, like to have seen more of Christian Slater in Star Trek. I think he would have been great. Oh, yeah. But we only really just have him kind of in silhouette in that scene. We don't have a lot of him. I think he would have been right. it was, fantastic. It was the funny, cagey kind of... Because uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're talking uh, Star Trek Six is 92. The geeks have not quite won yet. Right. The right. revolution has not, is not over. And it was still a dicey thing to come out of the closet yeah. at times. Right. Out of, you know, I hate to say that now, but kids, that was the truth. It wasn't quite the, uh, the onrush that it became... Yep. Post next generation yep. into the nineties, but oh no, we've had. I mean, you know, then by the time the the series get going, um, you know, Jason Alexander, yep. James Worthy, the NBA Lakers star, Kelsey Grammer, um, Stephen Hawking just passed. Yes, we're very famously yes. aware of yeah. of all the cameos he's done. He he loves his next generation. Right. Cameo the most people from different walks. Of life. Brian Singer was in uh, the Next Generation in Nemesis. Um, I, there are also some stars that have not been in Trek. Okay, yeah, the, the, the what could have been. <laughs> the what could have been. So you mentioned Eddie Murphy, but I, I think, honestly, the one that I am most excited about and really I wish it could have happened, Tom Hanks mm-hmm. as Zephram Cochran in First Contact. Not to take anything away from uh, uh, James, James Cromwell, Cromwell, because he's fantastic. He really made that character mm-hmm. his own. But, oh, there's something about, uh, what is that, a 1997 uh, Tom Hanks? Six, 96. 96, yeah, Tom Hanks that would have been awesome in that role, I think. And 
probably would have helped bridge the gap a little bit for some Trek fans who have a, a harder time reconciling mm-hmm. James Cromwell with the Zephram Cochran, uh, William Corbett, right, right, that we had in Metamorphosis and mm-hmm. TOS, just because the look is so different, right. the characterization Radiation is so poisoning. Yeah, right, right. Radiation yeah. poisoning. Yeah, you, you can retcon companion, that any way Companion you want. literal retconning there. Yeah, yes. but uh, there's something, I mean, Tom Hanks is, look, uh, he's good in everything, he's likable in everything. I think he would have been magnificent This is right role. at the time of Apollo 13. Yeah, yeah, how right. perfect. Within a year. How absolutely perfect, yeah. So I would have loved to have seen that. Well, and you think, too, what it would have done for Star Trek in, a, in the mainstream landscape, in the mainstream celebrity oh, sure. cultural media landscape, sure. even more than sure. it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, the, the list is interesting. And uh, back on the series, um, here's some more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, Seth MacFarlane wound up on Enterprise as the yes. little, as the little uh, can I be on your show, guys? Yeah. Uh, uh, B.B. Newworth. Okay, who auditioned to play yes. Dr. Crusher. Dr. Crusher. But wouldn't relocate. So, <laughs> okay, well, we She get stayed her, in New York. So we'll get her to get yes. her into the show as a guest. As yeah. the uh, alien nurse who makes out with Riker. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, say so you have like, uh, yeah, well, and more recently, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Had the cameo in uh, Beyond. Yeah, absolutely in, he does. Yeah. Uh, oh, and going back to the series, uh, in Next Gen, you had uh, Paul Servino. Right. So huge Star Trek fan, but... His daughter, Mira Sorvino, I'm a big fan of hers, but I, I've uh, the, something, something has been on my mind and bothering me for nearly a decade now, okay? And, and uh-huh. here's what it is. So Mira Sorvino, she's always talked about how she's a big Star Trek fan. Even on her Twitter account, she, she hashtags herself as an original Trekkie. She says she's got two period phasers, a communicator, and the original <laughs> action figures, Okay. So here's the thing, though. I remember watching nearly 10 years ago, Miro Servino was a guest on uh, Carson Daly's show. Right. And he's a host. And he's, <laughs> um, and he's talking about Star Trek with her. And he goes, oh, I got something for you. I heard you're a Star Trek fan. Here's a phaser. Yeah, it's from the original series. And I'm, I'm, I, I jump up out of my seat and go, no, Carson Daly did not just give his guest an actual prop from the original series, right. but he's sort of making it out like it is. Screen used or something? Yeah, yeah, and that she's way more interested in that phaser than she is in continuing the conversation <laughs> with Carson Daly, because who wouldn't be, right? So, Mira Servino, if you're listening, and I know you are, um, I really want to get to the bottom of what phaser he gave you. Uh, because I don't know if it was uh, a Playmates phaser that say, would have been out at the time. I don't yeah. know if it was a build-up that their prop department did, but I, if it was an actual... High-end prop replica, or or certainly not a screen. Not used. a screen user. I'm just going to say, used, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just going to say right. what Indiana Jones would. It belongs in a museum. Um, but I'm anxious to see her Star Trek collection. Well, those Sorvinos, yeah. that whole family was Star Trek. Yeah. Fan. And of course, Paul was on the uh, yeah. homeward uh, and on homeward playing Worf's yeah. uh, adoptive brother. Yeah. Then we got the then we got the litany of. They were child stars or teenage stars, like uh, Kirsten Dunst yes. and, and Nikki Cox yes. and, and maybe Ashley Judd, yeah. most of all. Yeah, yeah. With Robin Leffler there. I mean, but, but yeah. all, you know. And then some of the, may not quite as big a star as they were, like John Tesh, who was very big on sure. Entertainment Tonight. Don't you ever say clinic. that John Tesh was not a huge star. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that Star Trek fan? No. I, I have I'm, all his albums. He is a huge Star Trek fan, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like even Jim, uh, Gene Simmons. Yes. Playing Admiral Satie. With a J, not with a G. Yes, not that yes, Gene Simmons. Yes. Joel Gray on, on uh, Voyager. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other series had their share of them, too. Although, you know, Iroh 
is chasing down people like Iggy Pop himself. Yeah, right, know? right. Well, <laughs> and Jimmy Darren. Yes. Yeah, now that's what's interesting, though. So we're we're talking about uh, celebrities who were Star Trek fans who kind of asked to be or wanted to be on the show, but then you know a generation passes. And you've got people like Ira Stephen Bear and all these people working mm-hmm. on Trek in the 90s and into the 2000s. Then they sort of, as fans, get to somebody that they idolize. And, and you work in an Iggy Pop or you work in somebody that they want to work with and then have right. the pull to do it because they're producing a TV show. So now we've got Tarantino doing the movie after the next one, who's already drawing you know, Patrick Stewart back into things, <laughs> oh, uh, no. much less the celebrity world out there that might want to work with him. But supposedly, yes. yeah, supposedly there's a whole bullpen of celebrities out there that are in the wannabe mode, especially with, a, with, with uh, Tarantino's movie, the next, the next regular movie, Discovery going, what might be down the pike, like Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. Olivia Wilde. Uh, Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. you'd think there is life after Bond. Yeah. Um, well, he did a Star Wars cameo, so why not do a right, Star right, Trek right, cameo? Right, 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 right. Equal billing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mila Kunis? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Is out there and let it be known. Rosario yeah. Dawson? Yeah. Some of these get, get suggested to be. Like, why didn't you cast, her, cast them in uh, Discovery? Yeah, you might even say like uh, like a John Champion or a Larry Nemechek. I would uh, think so. Would be, uh, would be good choices for uh, celebrity <laughs> cameos in the next Star Trek film <laughs> or TV show. I Put that out there. Yeah. Put that out there. Yeah, and then you got like, t- I love the story that Tommy Lee Jones and Al Gore were college roommates. Yes. And, and religiously right. watched. Star Trek. Yeah. I'd like to see them both in the next Star Trek film together, <laughs> like buddy cops or something. I would like to see some uh, Al Gore playing some one-off uh, scientist who is saving a planet and inventing its information grid at the same time. <laughs> that would be perfect. That's excellent. All right, guys. Well, yeah. th- this is a really fun document. Uh, the Star Trek that could have been had Barry Manilow gotten his way through Gary Nardino back in 1977. Uh, Maybe this is a scheduling conflict, but uh, you can headcanon that as much as you want. You can read the original document at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. It's there. Ooh, Robin Williams for Professor Rasmussen. Oh, of course, of course. Oh. Oh, more Trek that could have been. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcasts.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynimacek.com. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network